Jacko loves stray dogs. Beastie loves to loaf. Hear what they say about playing the game. You can't hear it today. I said now. Legal Council is brought to you by Rugby Pass, the premier destination for rugby and league fans in Asia. Streaming international test matches, the NRL, the Rugby Championship, Super Rugby, and State of Origin to more on your device wherever you are in Asia. Every match on Rugby Pass is available live and on demand and is carried in HD quality with adaptive streams to match your connection. Welcome back to Legal Council. As always, we will be calling in Hong Kong's Rugby League's board member and um, current referee, Jack Muir. How's it going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good to hear your voice. Uh, recording live from my daughter's bedroom this weekend. Again, we had, I thought last week's show wasn't actually that good, but let's hear some good feedback. So, you know, we're on the right track. Hopefully we... Oh, Emily, settle down. Oh, we're obviously on the right track and stuff, so um, hopefully we can keep uh, keeping the punters happy. Look, yeah, I've actually also received a lot of good feedback. And many, many, you know, they'll be hearing the podcast and I see, gee, it was, it's a slick operation. But the last couple of weeks, we've gone from start to finish without an interruption. So it really is a free-flowing conversation. So, you know, if you listen to last week's show, that's 45 minutes straight. Um, and, you know, call it me being a lazy editor or just creative genius between the two of us that are completely in sync. But, you know, that's a podcast that doesn't take any timeouts. Uh, maybe the only timeout last week was me going to the fridge for about five seconds. But apart from that, you didn't really have time to catch your breath, did you? Well, actually, it's funny you say that because my wife actually listened to the um, podcast last week, I think, for the first time. And she said, oh, I like it, I really like it, especially when Ree Harry went and got a beer. I was like, what? You left that in there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. As I said, lazy editing. But, you know, I think that is maybe just the rawness of the show and people feel like they're close hey, look, to us. We're up against some real drop kicks on that uh, Rugby Pass website, like that guy with a big forehead that talks rara. Yeah, well, I mean, there's plenty of them out there. I mean, we, we are a minority in many respects, and we are the only Rugby League podcast on Rugby Pass, so um, we are trying to do what Rugby League's doing and just keeping it close to the people, and, you know, we're not really trying to get too big for our boots despite our, boo- despite our burgeoning audience and uh, database. I actually had a... I actually had a beer and a feed with a, a compatriot, one show Warriors player today, and watched the first half of uh, Dragon Seagulls. Mm. And it's his first year league. He loves it now. He was like, he was going, you know what? I don't even look at Super 12. He's a big union man. He's like, I don't even look at rugby schools anymore. I'm a league man. That's how good our game is. But I, I mean, on that, the Dragons in their first half, maybe they really are a top eight side. They are, and I think that they've done the business early in the comp. They've done enough, and they've beaten some decent sides early. And it just goes to show you in the NRL, the first 10 rounds are just everything. Because not many teams can kind of play catch-up football. Not many teams come home with a wet sail. In fact, many teams often just peter out in in the season. As you will see right now, there's only one team outside of the eight that has a hope of making the eight, and that's the Panthers. You watch every other team outside of the eight, they will just basically be playing for Mad Monday, and they won't be giving it much. And for me, that kind of just says a lot about this season is it's a weak season. It's the standard. It's, a weak it's, season. Been, it's the this... worst season since 2004, I believe. Yeah, four, I remember that was the, the year that the, um, the West Tigers made a late run for the eight. And I think they may have snuck in, but the Cowboys made the eight for the first time. 
Um, the Cowboys? Uh, yeah, no, 04 was their first time here, and then yeah. they're in front of 05. Yeah, and they, yeah. Um, it was just sort of, you know, the Broncos lost, and it was quite a um, quite a down year, and then, you know, the Dogs obviously ended up um, winning the comp. But this year, yeah. I just feel was that... Bob Cat Ryan made that final. Who did Bobcat Ryan make that final tackle on in the grand final? Just got him in... Crocker. And so pretty much, it was sunny. It was Crocker, yeah. It was Crocker. But they all talk about, even Roosters fans talk about to this day, if he could got away from Bobcat... I reckon they could have scored. I think they had uh, on the other. Uh, there was um, Shannon Healy was out there waiting for for the ball to score and win it for them. And in fact, didn't you come that. across some news on Shannon Hegarty? Yeah, well, funny you mentioned Shannon Hegarty. Someone sent me a link the other day, and it was some dating site from Tampa, um, which is in the state of Florida, and it basically said a message to all women: stay away from this man. And it was posted a bio on Shannon Hegarty, and it said he'd been going around, um, you know, basically telling women all sorts of lies um, to get them in the bedroom, and then basically just running a train through Tampa. Um, and you, I think you see it through, see it through. You also marry a woman for a green card, and then left her in the lurch or something. It was real like rugby league drama hitting Florida. Yeah, exactly, and it was um, Hurricane Higgity certainly sort of whipped its way around the south coast of uh, of the states. But um, back to your uh, back thing, to it's one. Like, it's not the only he's not the only former NRL player that's ended up sort of retiring in the states. I can I know Lance Ohio's selling real estate in Grand Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. I know David get? New, David New, or that the former played like. Uh, half back for St George for maybe five first round games. He's over there running the um, uh, like the USA Rugby League. Mm. Have you know what else you didn't think of that since she retired over there? Not really, no. But that guy David New bought is trying to bring Rugby League World Cup to the states, isn't he? Yeah. With uh, in fact, it'd be interesting if, if the guys that do look are uh, trying to organise that Yank World Cup. Give us a call. We'd love to interview you and sort of talk about it. In fact, we should try and do that. Yeah, mate. I mean, would you go? Would I go to the to the World Cup in the States? Bloody yeah. oath! It's a hell of a country to tour. Um, brilliant, brilliant place. Yeah, it'd be a good, yeah, good, good little league trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, back to your. So you're you having a bit of a uh, a feed with your mate Wan Chai Warriors? What happened last week in Wan Chai? How'd you go in the grand final? Did we cover this last week? Oh, we. Yeah, we had a grand final. I didn't tell you, sorry, I didn't know. So we lost forty to twenty-two. Um, we were we played well first half. I was proud of the boys. They just went forward all day. Um, we played pretty well. Look, well, we lost at the end of the day. We weren't good enough. We didn't go to the gym enough. These guys were like void heads. Oh, they were there. They're just yeah, big young fellows that were a lot fitter than us. Um, but we'll come back stronger, stronger than last year, uh, next next year. Um, yeah, good game of football. There's a lot. There was definitely, the the level of competition really stepped up a bit since Paul played. Um, and yeah, I think we've got rugby league here. It's going to stay here for a long time. So it's a good opportunity for us uh, to come back up for our nines tournaments and stuff like that. You know. Do you play on turf in Hong Kong? What do you mean turf? Like you know, artificial grass. And what's it like to take a hit? Like, what's underneath the artificial grass? It's not like concrete, like, you know, a tennis court. No, no. It's, quite, it's actually quite... When I first started playing, I was a bit... 
I don't rate it. I get like funny sort of um, like almost burns. They're not really burns. They're like sort of grass, you know, like burns almost. Mm. But you must once you start playing it for a while, you sort of I don't know. You must get sick in nature the way you land or something, mm. um, and you don't get. It ends up being really uh, it's actually. I think it's actually better than real grass at the end of the day. Really? Um, once you just learn how, I don't know. Just or maybe your skin gets a bit tougher. I don't know, but it's better because. Yeah, you basically know that you're going to have a good running game of football, no matter if it's pissing down or anything. It's not like, you know, it's obviously going to be a bit different if you, if we toured and took on, say, the Linwood Kias at Linwood Park in a mud bath, I don't know what we'd know, we wouldn't know what to do. But, mm. you know, for the spectators, for the fans, you know, it's good for the sponsors because you know you're always going to have a game, no matter how wet it is. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a way to go. Wouldn't have got an artificial turf? Uh, field now in Super League, so really, I mean, the, the UK, not, the Northern UK, yeah, they, they should really do that. I mean, the, all the way over, shouldn't they? Well, they now, mate. Oh, true, true that. And what actually happened is the what the amateur British Rugby League has actually moved back to winter because the amateur rugby league was actually playing in summer as well, mm. but they were finding they were getting way more injuries because basically the. The fields you're playing on amateur aren't being cared for as much, and they're just getting too hard. Mm. And I know they're all, you know, they would. Because if you think about like the boys' high league fields um, in the middle of the summer, they would have been really pretty bad, right? I don't. Um, you wouldn't even have to play on them, right? Isn't too hard. Yeah, too hard. Yeah, great for cricket, but I don't know if you could play league on them. Yeah. Exactly, horses for courses. But I don't mind the idea of artificial in the north of England. It makes a bit of sense. Because of the weather. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and more running, yeah. But is Again, it, is, I, and is, I think is, having World Cups in the UK is shit because basically they're all through November and start of December. Hmm. The weather's really bad and it's just not conducive to Great League. Whereas the World Cup at the end of this year in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, November to see the weather will be good. It's just mm-hmm. running rugby league. It suits the up and coming nations of our mm-hmm. of our sport, like the Tongas, the Samoas, the Fiji. Mate, it's the way to go. Um, and I just think it's not a great um, advertisement program. You when you turn it on to like mist over the field, and you've got these great athletes sort of going out in front of these shitty grounds in North England. That's why I'm all for the American World Cup. Even if you don't have, you know, you only need to take them to like sort of high school fucking football stadiums or smaller college stadiums, only hold 12, 10 or 12 pounds, and still be a bit of spectacle, I believe. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you never, rugby, international rugby league's probably never going to go global, so why not just play it in the well, best yeah, possible conditions? Well, what, have you got to, what, what have you got against rugby league? Well, I love it, but I just I just don't think globally no, no, it's ever going to take off. You've been slacking off a bit lately. Hang on a minute, you mate. Seem, you're not, you, seem to like the, you seem to like the quick taps of the devil's yes. sport. Actually, that's, that's, that's what I was going to bring that up. I think rugby league, why we love it so much is that it's a simple game. And yes, it's, it's in danger of getting overcomplicated by the standard of referees we've got at the moment. Henry Perinara um, is just just a typical good example of, you know, where are the Tim Manders? Where are the Shane Haynes? Where are the Billy where Hollywood the, Harrigans? Where are the Bogshane Jaguars? <laughs> oh, fuck. Where are the... Who's that guy who's like the grasshopper? What was his name? Yes. 
Elvin Jeffs? No, that's Barry Gomesall. Yeah, there's a guy called the Grasshopper, Barry Gomesall, I think was the Grasshopper. And then Bill, um, Greg McCullum, and yes, David, quite. David. Well, the first thing we probably have to do to get these refs back into decent forms is get a sponsor like TNT. I'm sure they are sponsored at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, but I speak so though. Not TNT was it? What was TNT? TNT is a logistics so, company. Yeah, I thought it was logistics. Yeah, they were brilliant yeah, sponsors of the refs. More my point is, the standard ref at the moment is just, they're just so bad. And there's three what things... What do we need that, two? Pardon? Oh, well, they need one for a star. I mean, but that's not going to happen. I mean, you can make a change... Why don't we just have one? And the old... Remember the old in-goal judges? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just you had a guy ones. at each end that just an in-goal judge. Yeah. What was all that? Yeah, no, nah, I agree. But now we've got... Agree. Well, there's a few things that are just are killing me at the moment, and one of them is with a quick tap. Like, and you know, I was chatting to a bloke at the pub today, Stixie, and he was saying that you know Slater took a quick tap the other day, which he did. That was just rare in today's game. Like, the thing I genuinely think that the referee, I know there's a couple of rules around the quick tap, but just flag fuck those rules off and let people take a quick tap on the spot straight away, and that would then force the defence to be ready at all time. And, you know, again, fitness will become even more important because if people were taking quick taps and catching you, you off guard, would just be completely different for the game. Yep. At the moment, you know as a defensive side, and, no one can take a quick tap because the ref's going to make you come back. And when the, the quick tap is probably going to be the most useful is on those penalties where your professional felt. So Exactly. You know what I mean? When you've got the momentum and, yeah, I, I saw the... You, you, I don't know if I agree with you, but I'm starting to come around to this point. Yeah, now, now, the other, my theory behind the quick tap is, is that the refs don't do it is because they're just using an opportunity to have a breather. And they cannot, their fitness, they cannot keep up. So they're just like, fuck this. No, I'm, I'm not sorry, running. No, no, totally. that, I'm not running. absolute crap. That's not right. But these guys are professional athletes. Yeah, no, they're not, mate. Not one of them has got, like, they've all got poo legs. Now, by those... Henry Perrinard just looks like a sleazy bloke that roofies birds in a pub that just sits back in the cut, you know, a couple of sort of people deep and is just watching people like a hawk and like a disco on the Gold Coast and he just sprinkles a little magic dust in a drink and then takes him home. Like, he does not look like an athlete. Don't give me that. You have, you have actually put a quite a good picture in my head and that does explain it quite well. I actually... Met his brother Marcus Perinara at the waterfront once in Auckland, near that place where you ran into Freddie and not, you know, Darren Lockyer and all that, and Mark Gesnier. He actually married he actually, an ex-colleague of mine. Uh, Marcus Perinara played Marcus, for, yeah, he played for he the Eagles, and he's probably about 130 kgs. Um, now, last time I saw him, yeah, he's a big boy, and he was a halfback. Uh-huh. He was in the AL five. I think Henry might have also played at the lock position. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he played for a number of yeah. NRL clubs. Um, so Mark so, saw Henry that won that game for Parramatta with the field goal. I think it was Henry. Yeah, no, it was Marcus. Was Marcus, he was the half. Oh, okay, so the quick tap, right? The quick tap's one one rule that just does my head. The other one is, you know, if a rule's in a rule book, then it should be abided by it. If, if you don't enforce it, then don't have it in the rule book. Voluntary tackle used to be a real thing in the 80s, right? So if you take the ball, uh, this, is, this just fucks me off. If you take the ball just outside of your end goal, you take a bomb and then people just hit the ground. You should have to get up 
and fight against the tackler because it's part of the game. It's part of the combat of the game. You know, if you just sit down in the prone position and then someone else comes over the top of you, and even the tacklers actually end up getting penalised more so because they're trying to like actually do something with the with the ball player and either spin him over the sideline or something. That's just again, it's taking a real physical contact out of the game and it's rewarding negative play. It should be enforced. The voluntary tackle should be enforced. It's in the rules. So why don't the referees enforce it? How often do you see it happen these days? Oh, I haven't seen a voluntary tackle since the nineteen nineties, maybe. No, but how often do you see one that should be called a voluntary tackle? I would say once a game. Okay. You'll, you'll see do you again. want to bring back that the, that the the marker can have a uh, hook? Remember that? They could have a hook at the at the dummy half at the play the ball? Um, I think they've actually removed they never that from the rule book. They mostly so, just kicked it backwards, but then you give them another set of six. Yeah, so, so if you made a play at it, fuck, that's all right. But I think they actually just got that out of the game. Why? To clean the play the ball area up. Clean the ruck up. Yes, um, yeah, so quite So that's two. The third rule that's just, again, nothing can be more clear-cut last night than use the fucking red card, referee. Get Just send someone off. Like, you know, no, back in the I day, back in the day, you know, nothing was more refreshing to me back in the day then the referee used the red card as if, you know, they had a mantra in their head just saying, not on my fucking rugby league field. And if you did a high tackle, they would march you so quickly and you were conditioned as a player, you would jog off. No. You, you would not you even get question. You would jog off. You'd get simbin, but now we've made a stupid rule that simbins are only for professional fouls and, and punching, not acts of violence. Is that, a, is that a fact? That's a fact. So the rules are wrong or you put them on the report because I don't want the game being ruined from a bloke being sent from the field. In a game where it's inches and the ref could make the wrong call and ruin everyone that's paid their hard-earned 40 bucks to get the game. Okay, so how about this? Let's, let's, amend, the, um, let's amend the rule to do, to do this. You would you can get sent off, but you can get replaced. So that means that Ciasola gets sent off last yeah. night, but he just can't come back on, and he gets replaced. So effectively, Canberra they are disadvantaged that they have one less player that they can play with, but they don't have to play with twelve people. Yeah. What about that? Yeah, that's that's not a bit, not a bad idea. Is it? And but but you still punish Ciasola during the week of the judiciary. Yeah, or well, he's going to get six or seven weeks. Yeah, which you would anyway. You would, which you would anyway, even if you got sent off. I think I heard a couple of things last night. One was comparing the fact that Cameron Munster got 10 minutes in the bin for holding someone down at the end of the game and Soriola just got put on report. That just doesn't sit well with me. But mate, it was a hard... The rest may not have even seen uh, Slater get hit. It was sort of off the ball. He was slipping. Quite, you know, I said, what would you like? Would you like if that, if that happened to your son? And you're like, I'll just tell him to get longer sprints. Bullshit. <laughs> Well, look, I think that Soiola... Now, this is, this is again, I got, I got read... I think it was Warren Smith said the definition of a send-off of offence is that if you are committed to a tackle and then, say, you have enough time to change your mind if, say, the um, opposing player slips, 
Now, I think Billy Slater slipped. It did look in the naked eye that Soiola had a long time between Slater slipping. But it was slow-mo up the wazoo. How, I've never seen it in uh, normal speed the whole week, weekend. I think it's not as fun in normal speed, is it? Yeah, but that's how you can actually judge whether he could have pulled out the tackle or not. I know, but our game is just being dissected on slow motion and... Yeah, you're right. If everything was at normal speed, then you couldn't really ever determine if it was right or wrong because you can't make a decision. And I'll that. tell you one thing about Siotoliola. I think he's a favourite of both of ours. He was a good servant for the, the Roosters and the Kiwis and St. Helens. Hmm. He never seemed to be a aggressive, like a violent bloke. He, he didn't really seem to be the bloke that nah. would do something... And like he, he's and he's a guy, and usually stuff. usually I have a real problem with when people say this. They say, "Oh, it's not in his character. It's not his character." Like Josh Reynolds, "Oh, it's not in his character." Yes, it is. Josh Reynolds does it every week. It is. But it in his is. Character. But Josh, that's the worst example. No, it is Josh Reynolds. That's, game. that's what I'm saying. Is that usually I'm not a fan of when people say it's not in his character. In this instance, I would genuinely say it's not in CSOL's character. But hey, so he did it. If, hey, so he has but imagine if, like, okay. So the thing is, though, if this was Steve Matai com, uh, committing the yeah yeah uh, that's tackle, in his character, it's in his I character. would I would have to say it's in his character. He probably did would. try to take out that. Yeah, Steve yeah, Matai and Hopawati. Yep, it's in his character. Yeah. Greg Bird. Yeah, Peter Hickey. It's in his character. No, Peter Hickey. You'd say out of character. Sloth. You can't have a guy whose nickname is Sloth that you can say is in his character. <laughs> I think yeah does this give him a better reputation uh, probably worse I mean I saw Nate, I saw it almost erupted into a bit of a bit of a brawl then I saw Nate Miles who would have to be the tallest dwarf in the world he, he looks like a dead set dwarf I think he, he yep. is, when he came out of his mother's womb he stared the dwarf gene in the eye right in the mirror and said, nah, not for me. And they just gave him a touch of it. If you look at his face, you could put yeah, that on yeah. a dwarf body and you'd be dead set happy with that. That forehead. Oh, Jeez. there's there's just, there's no bigger forehead. You could dead and set play, you could play a game of Monopoly on that forehead. And he couldn't find the disabled toilet at uh, Central Coast Gosford. I mean, uh, the Crown Plaza Gosford. Nah, he, yeah, he he threw his he threw his feces around, um, like he. No, was... you're getting mixed up. You're getting mixed up. That was Julian O'Neill. Um, but he... was just in the hallway. <laughs> so he just took a he just laid a cable in the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. What is it with rugby league and feces? Because someone told me a story the other day that um, Jared Samet who is a, a Maltese player, played fullback for the Panthers oh, God, <laughs> for five years. And who does he play for? He plays for the... Who's the Welsh team in Super League? They're long gone, mate. Yeah, well, he, he played for them for a bit, and then he went maybe... The Wakefield uh, or something. Wakefield Trinity. And apparently when he when there was an initiation or something, or when there's a couple of young rookies, and, you know, these days to fight you know, miniature cockle and all that kind of stuff. You have your own drink bottle and yeah, yeah, yeah. he defecated in a couple of the young guys' drink bottles um, and they were on the field and then they were taking a swig of water and... Oh, shit. Sharon Simmons, it was a great joke. But as soon as he came on the, um, on the sea in Penrith in maybe 2008, 2009, mm. he just looked like the grubbiest bloke. 
He yeah. looked like that bloke from uh, VFL. Yeah. Oh, Jason Eckermanis. Yeah, yeah, just real grubby. Didn't he um, get one of those tattoos, you know, underneath his um, neck and, you know, the circular sort of wraps around, those kind of ones? Yeah, like a And what was it? And he spelt it wrong? My brother's keeper. Nah, it was something else. Jared Samet or the other Eckermanis guy? No, Jared Samet. Jared Samet tattoo. I would have said something like my life, my family or something. Um, no, what we're going to do... Google it. I'm going to do it right now. Here we go. It comes up straight away. Jared Samet tattoo. Um, okay. Yep. Just give us a second. Far out. He's a horrific... Like, he's an evil-looking bloke. Um, it says... Yeah. What does it say? It's bloody hard to read. What's that? Justify your existence is what it says, and he spells and he spells justify wrong. No, on purpose or like playing on Sorry. words. Sorry, no, he spells existence wrong. It's existence. Um, yep, yeah, he's got that wrong, and there's there's number of comments on it. Um, so there you go. Um, well, I mean, if you're defecating in your teammates. Um, drinks. I tell you what, this is just, this has brought up a number, a number of shit rugby league tattoos. In fact, far out. Ben Rogers. Far, if you want to have a look oh, at his back. Hansa and Babado's spot, mate. I don't mind. And Newcastle. Love to stink. His back yeah, is yeah, a big yeah, southern, a big southern cross. Game. And then you've got the coat of arms at the bottom. He could have dead set been in a um, Cronulla riot. And then oh, you know, mate, up mate. comes Trent Hodkinson, who's just one of the early sleeves. Shocker. To be honest, though, he did actually take a, a, a chick with AIDS to a formal, didn't he? Hodkinson. Yeah, I'm a big Hodkinson fan. Yeah. No, she didn't have yeah, AIDS. Yeah, she, had, she had a... Um, yeah, a, a de- uh, she had a cancer, Never I think. Josh Dugan, right? And his early... One of an early picture of him. Right. All it says was, Josh Duck Dugan is a fuckwit. And um, he's got a p- picture of his back. So he's got the um, Southern Cross. Uh, he's got a few sort of family member Dugans written. And at the bottom, such is life. So that's how that's where we sort of started out. But um, anyway, we could probably talk about was shit. Was it pre-Ray Lewis? Robert was Louis. Was it pre-Ray Lewis? Who? Was this the pre-Ray Lewis tattoo? Oh, that's right. He got Ray Lewis, a convicted murderer, on his leg. Fuck. Yeah. That's, that's... Hey, Rui, Harry. Yes. Talking about um, convicted murderers, mm. and I'm not talking about Craig Field, mm-hmm. but you owe um, Aquila Uate and Semi Rajrajas of this world big apologies. What we for? could go back to our uh, early days of this podcast, and you said, and I quote, Aquila Uate is useless, get rid of him. Yeah. And Simu Madrada will blow out and no one will ever remember him at the end of the season. Uh, I think I said that for about two years for Simu Madrada. I said, fast forward two years and, and, and he won't even be in the comp, which is still in the car. He's playing, well, he's playing yeah, very well. Admit. He's playing very, very well. And Uate has had, he's strung together six good weeks in a row. Do not think for Eight. a second that he is not capable of losing a game 
anytime, anywhere, and maybe a big game, maybe a semi-final. So I take it back with Radradra. Uarte, he's still he's still in the rocks category for mine. I've heard Radradra can actually he's still going to play for Fiji at the World Cup somehow. Uh-huh. Somehow his Devils game contract doesn't kick in, and so he, he can was, actually serve. Great news. He was dynamic today for the Eels, wasn't he? And just give him a bit of room and he can go. That Eels side is just a... It's a weird team, isn't it? They just squeak by every week and they never look good. They they look flashy for some parts. Tui Lola here, hang your head in shame. Missed an easy conversion to win the game. I know, I know, I know. Far out. That, that's, him, that's, him, that's him as a player. Like, compete, looks like he's got all the goods and then just will not deliver. Um... He's going to struggle to make that team next year, isn't he? Well, he's going to play fullback because Connor Watson, they didn't buy Connor Watson in the end. Um, so the Knights have got Connor Watson. Apparently that deal's oh, yeah, they did. That, that is a phenomenal signing. So you could have a, a, a team with Connor Watson at the back, Kenny Dow. Um, they've got another... Oh, they've got Taltao Monga. Um, they've got... Yeah. Who is Rostov. Rostov. Say the scariest human being in the NRL? Who's that? The scariest. Yeah. Why? Do you actually look at him? He wasn't doing it now while you're at it. No, I know what he looks like. Well, Mari Mau will be up there too, right? Mari Mau is pretty scary. Um, Teltel Monga is only like 23 because he came on the scene when he was a 17 year old and had like four knee reconstructions. I still say if he didn't get injured, he was the next Israel Falau. He could have been anything. He'd still be at the Roosters now and he would have just gone from yeah. he probably would have played Origin for, for the Kangaroos he was at the Cowboys last year uh, for the last yeah. three years yeah yeah so geez, he seems like he's been around for a long time and his brother don't know his brother yeah me neither yeah what about the Dragons Eagles game today 52 to 22 it was like an under 20s game yeah. what was with that I, mean, I, I just watched the first half and to be honest, it's just sometimes rugby league is just just things go your way. Sometimes we're not taking anything away from the Dragons; they were playing well, but what well, the Eagles didn't do that badly. And they just sometimes just the, ball, the bounce doesn't go your way. Things, and then they sort of fought their way back into it somehow. Uh, yeah, but they, they did enough to me to show that the Dragons are a top eight side. Yeah, they have, and I think that they just have a really good draw run in. Running, but so do the Eels. So the Panthers are even going to be pretty. Um, it's going to be tough for the Panthers to actually catch the Dragons. So they are two points outright, um, and yeah. their differential is far behind the Dragons. And they're four points adrift of the Eels, and four points adrift of the Sea Eagles. I think the Sea Eagles. Are probably, the Panthers are probably more likely to catch the Seagulls than they are the Dragons and the Eels because of the Dragons and the Eels have got such an easy run home. Yeah, I know. And it's, that's, that's, I mean, again, we're going back to this. Well, I think it's a weak comp this year. It is. We've sort of, the eight to me is sorted out. And it's just, and, and two or three of those teams are no just good. not top eight sides. No, they're not. No matter which way you look at it. No, I mean... The, the no, no. only sides that you th- I think, I genuinely think the only sides that can win the comp are the Storm. Let's just say that the injuries just don't, you know, because I've heard that Cameron Smith and Slater, etc. What's the mutual? Yeah. 
I think that Smith has done a peck and he's out for maybe three or four weeks. But the Storm and the Sharks, when push comes to shove, do you think the Broncos or the Roosters can win it? I don't. I think the Storm and the Sharks, the only two teams that can win it. Cowboys? No. They could, okay, what the Cowboys could do is they could upset a team. Um, but I don't think yeah, they win I the comp. Yeah, I mean, win a semi. I find it hard to write off. Should we rewrite off the Broncos? I mean, they start, they haven't, it's this time of year you need, you need to start playing well. They're going to get uh, Bennett's boy back soon. Their away record is 5-4. and four. It's not flash. I mean, all of the other team, you've got the Storm with an away record of 9-1. and one. Roosters away record six and three. The Sharks away record seven and one. Cowboys away record six and three. So Broncos at five and four away. Dunno, it seems to me like they just love playing in Brisbane. They've got seven two up there. Um Yeah, they're tough to beat up there. Um, Benji's I just think I almost give them more of a hope than the Broncos and and Roosters. Uh, sorry, the Cowboys and the Roosters here, but you're right. Do we see another Sharky storm grand final? I mean, we're waiting for the Sharks to blow out, and they did the other week against the Eagles. Maloney's now out for two or three weeks, but he just look. Certain oh, teams yeah. are built for for um, the eight and a semi final. When you get the Sharks in the semi final, mate, they the just Cowboys have the, players, were, the right players. Cowboys were built for the eight, and then they just didn't step up in the semi last year against. You know, they had the the Symphony of Destruction game and they just what was the Symphony of Destruction yeah, game who'd they play that was against the Broncos up at Townsville mm. when Jason Tomalai they put the most virtuoso individual forward performance on I've I've ever seen virtuoso is a great word to, I mean if you've done something virtuoso in sport let alone league you've done something pretty decent haven't you and what about the and oh, you, you talked about the Ewing theory last night. You need to explain that to some of our well, Ewing theory is a, is a quite a uh, um, topical theory in the states. It's a Simmons, Bill Simmons theory, and basically it was it sort of went back to Patrick Ewing, um, the NBA basketballer for the Knicks. He when he got injured, um, there's a certain season that the Knicks and everyone was like, oh, they're gone. Um, and the Knicks ended up making... May they maybe made the finals or the Eastern Conference finals at least without... Yeah, they made the Eastern Conference finals against Indiana. Against Indiana. And they didn't have any Ewing and everyone was like, fuck. You know, it's almost like the team bands together in spite of adversity. But then the other sort of side of the coin is saying that they've banded together because they just didn't want to, didn't like playing with Ewing. And they're like, actually, you know, a bit more freedom when you've got someone that's so dominant and the team revolves around him. You don't really have the opportunity for the rest of the team to actually flourish. So... You know, you're programmed to just playing around one bloke. So, Ewing theory has sort of been and tested quite so a number of different times. This season, we obviously this this season we obviously saw it last night when the Warriors, to be honest, put in quite a decent performance at Townsville. Like for the Warriors, um, Mason Leno wasn't perfect, but he put himself into the game at the right time. Something I think Johnson struggles to do. Um, you also see it in the the team the Warriors played last night, the Cowboys. Michael Morgan and Morgan and their team are not rolling over and and ballsing up with Thurston uh, out. Well, it's the perfect so, it's the perfect scenario last night because you had the Warriors that, with a real Ewing theory potential on last night because they were looking good and they're playing well. I actually think it was the best they've played all year. 
It was the gutsiest they've played all year. They're down a few troops, and ultimately they had the chance to score to go in a golden top, a golden point. But um, the effort from Roger Tuivasa-Shek, who he has gone off a cliff. And I know that he's actually, in the Daily M, when the Daily M went behind closed doors, he was in the third place. And I know that he had did a knee last year. But as it stands right now, he is not the influential. He's just not that good, is he? He's not. I mean, not he's not a million dollars a year, is he? Mm-mm. No. It's a sad. It's a sad. Uh, and the other thing we've uh, debated is uh, Tomato Muffin. Um, still a young guy, only twenty-one, right? Yeah, twenty-one. Um, and he, now he's been. Obviously, there was some controversy about his d- departure from Penrith, and he went up to the Cowboys almost as a stopgap bullet for Thurston. Mm. Um, does he have a future in the game as a premier half? Well, I think I was explaining this today to someone and saying that, you know, Tamari Martin had 10 games last year and looked really good and then got injured out for the season, did a shoulder. Then the start of the year, yep. he had four or five games for the Panthers, maybe slightly more, and they were going terrible. They had to make a change. And for me, it made a lot of sense for Moylan, who's a natural six to play six. Um, and then Dylan Edwards, who's a talent to play one. So that made sense for the Panthers. But to give up on a young half like that so early, although it made sense for the Panthers, the, the Cowboys or it's someone else a, uh, should have pounced on him because I remember looking at Michael Morgan 20 games into his career, and Morgan looked... You would not say that Morgan is the kind of player that he is now if you had to watch him when he was 21. So I actually think Martin's going to be a good player. Yeah, look, I've still got the jury out. I've seen them do some pretty special stuff. And again, I think it might be a Kiwi halves problem. I think Station was a bit better at it, but being able to come into the game at the right time, it's like Johnson does it a bit, and Benji too, they sort of overplay their hand too early. And then when it's, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't I, know, it's just a funny thing. I'm, a, I'm an apologist for Johnson and... I'll say Benji in the same breath is that they can do something that no other player can do in the game. Those two, when they're back at their peak. Yeah. And the highs that they have are, you know, your 10 out of 10s, which, you know, only a handful of players in the whole competition can do. And I, I do feel that they get judged on those standards. And if they don't do it week in, week out, you say, oh, you know, they float in and out of the game. And, you know, people will say, they look at, let's just say... Um, you know, a Cooper Cronk or Daly Cherry that you know generally just play at the one sort of speed, really efficiently, really good all the way through the game. Whereas Johnson, his peak is a ten. Whereas you know a Cronk and a Cherry Evans might be an eight point five the whole game. And I think that Johnson gets judged on the ten rather than and if he goes back to a seven or an eight, they say floats in and out of the game. And I just think he's a victim of his own individual brilliance. Admittedly, he has got a lot of stuff to work on in this game, but I think he's unfairly, his standards are unfairly high. Yeah, look, I, I tend to, I tend to agree. But I get frustrated the way he performs. Look, do you like the look of this uh, Matt Dufty? He looked. Now it goes back to early season. It was his debut today, and what was he rocking on his lid? What kind of haircut did he have? A shit one. It was bloody abysmal. Now that that guy obviously has an attitude that he he's got he's probably got a fuckload of confidence because if you rocked up to my changing room and I was a coach on your first game, 
I would get two of the elder statesmen. I'd get, you know, maybe a couple of scissors to dribble. hold him down and to shave his head because you're not rocking a haircut yep. like that in your first game. You're just not. And Mary McGregor would do stuff like that, wouldn't he? You'd hope so. But I think Mary's pretty chilled out bloke. I've seen okay. a few interviews with him. He didn't even want to be a coach, remember? He took over halfway through Steve Price's reign and he was like, I don't even want to be the coach. That's right. And he just hung around. He's a very sort of amiable bloke. Yeah, I, I, I talked to a guy down at the pub the other week that reckons um, Jackson Bird's actually trying to get out of his Broncos contract. Really? Yeah, and this guy, is a, he's, this is the guy that gave me the shire tip on um, uh, that Mortimer didn't drink with the, uh, no, not Mortimer, which is his name, uh, Kamali and Chris Anderson didn't drink with the rest of the boys. So he's shy royalty. Okay. Okay. Um, mate, one question I had from a listener who's very, uh, very big in the LC fraternity, um, the Melbourne-based can, uh, composer Simon Denay, um, he said to me he was having real trouble with the Warriors' mantra, a matter of faith. And he said that it's it's naturally flawed because faith is generally based on fact, and faith and fact no, exist on different planes of reality. And in order for faith to yeah. exist, it requires belief. Therefore, the Warriors cannot win a premiership as it would prove the fact and faith. And fact are diametrically opposed. It's a matter of fact, we've got the faith. Sorry, it's a matter of fact, we've got the fact. So basically, he thinks that faith is based on belief that you've been there and done it before. And we haven't we haven't been yep. there and done it before. But I was sort of challenged him to say no. that with a matter of faith, right? I think a matter of faith was built on I would say late 90s, early 2000s Warriors had a real knack for winning the unwinnable games. You know, they might not have won a comp, but they used to pluck these victories out and we were renowned for never getting written off. And and I think that whole Warriors throwing the ball around reggae football that we've, you know, um, coined um, and, you know, been able to never been written off, always in the game which is just completely non-existent. I haven't seen them do that for five years. You know, you never were safe when you had the game against the Warriors. And that's, I think, well, what a matter of faith is based on. And the, no, the cynical people would say it was trying to attract those destiny churchgoers and the, the, the high level of Church of Latter-day Saints we have in the Polynesian community. Yeah, which I think is part of it. I think the other part is that, again, uh, achieving... Cooney actually, when, when Cooney came to the Warriors last year, or mm. early this year, he actually tried to get rid of faith, and he tried to say it's not about faith, it's about belief. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's actually probably a better, better term. Faith is... Uh, I can understand Danae's, um his point here, but I would say faith, again, for us is, is based on our... Is is because you haven't won a championship mean that you haven't achieved before? Because by winning certain games, hey, do you know what I mean? As I've said before, mate, as Warriors fans, we need to take a bit more pride in ourselves. We run each other down. We slag our team off, mate. We've never never won a wooden spoon, and I can't <laughs> see it ever happening. It won't ever happen, but it's still you don't want to celebrate that. There's only sixteen. I'm teams not celebrating it. I'm just trying to give us some, you know big up ourselves a little bit we're not that bad like 
There's we, only two teams we are, in this competition that have not won it. Us and the Titans. Yeah, and now... The, now, the fact that the Cowboys and the Sharks, I used to hold on to the the fact that the Cowboys and the Sharks hadn't won it. Well, they've both got that monkey off the back recently, haven't they? I know, but they've they've won their fair share of wooden spoons. Cowboys, yes. Sharks, yes. I'd say they both would have. Um, I can't yeah. recall either of them winning one um, recently. Um, yes. Definitely in the late nineties, early nineties. Yeah. Uh, Mid nineties when they came in comp. You know, we we're one of those teams that we. We, like, and I can never see us winning a wooden spoon. Not winning, but that's not the right word. Obtaining a wooden spoon. Mm, I know. Um, Thursday just, night football. We're just because we could pull out those games. We haven't pulled out shit for the last five years. And anyway, something big needs to happen. Just a classic roster clean out for mine. Um, get rid of a, sort of a half a dozen players. Um, Thursday night football for the rest of the comp is pretty much a regular thing. What's your thoughts on Thursday night? Are you, are you a fan? Thursday night football? Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind Thursday night football. I just hate the 6pm game on Friday or it's fucking stupid. Yeah, well, we've got them again. Warriors show 6pm Friday. Now, that's the problem as a Asian resident with the two-hour time zone. It makes it tough to watch the game, you know? Yeah. Um, because it ends up being 4pm our time, you know? Yeah. Fair cool. Um, anything else to anything else to carve up that we haven't touched on? No, we'll give a shout-out. We'll just give a shout-out to some of our biggest fans. Tama Wells there in Moafungo. Thank you for the shout-out uh, and the good, kind words. Um, Tavali, we hope you haven't lost your job from um, sharing a podcast around the Melbourne Storm office. Uh, Frank Corey in Wagga Wagga, a big, big fan. Loves to ring into the show as well. Rings me up in the workplace. Well, um, we, never because, we never asked because we're, uh, we're recording it. In fact, would people like, and I know you're not a big fan of this rehab, but do we just interview um, up pundits? So they like, have a 10-minute sector of, with pundits like Frank Corey. Yeah, we might, maybe we get Frank Curry on the show. I mean, he'll be strictly Rabbitohs based. Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper, Bulldogs. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's a it's a long list, isn't it? We really could go through everyone here. Um, How going heading up the Morris brothers and uh, Jeremy Lattimore for an interview, mate? You 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 will be pleasantly surprised this week. I know I've said that before, but it's quite hard to get an NRL interview. Rugby parts are giving us a hard time. We're not driving enough traffic to their uh, website. So please get there and have a look around. Also, um, if you could send legalcouncil at gmail.com any emails of league fans you think would like talking about the greatest game or listening to the greatest game. Even my wife liked it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, we're friendly with the females too. Um, good show, mate. Another, uh, another one that we've run straight through without any stoppages. Um, unlike a game refereed by Henry Perinara. Um, so we've gone full circle there. Uh, we'll chat next week, and probably you'll have another baby that will pop out. You still want to name him Eastwood after Craig Eastwood? Yep. Well, well yeah, I, I just want to get out now, and then we can start making those decisions. But you've got to love your league. All right, mate. Love your league.